0: Hello, hello, hello. I'm Jan Goldstein, and this is All That Matters, our weekly positivity podcast. Now approaching our 94th episode, as we have continued to meet with you every, every week for the last 93 and counting. And so happy you're here. I have a question for you. What is it? you would wish to record as you look through the lens of your life if you could choose any subject or any moment what would it be that you would choose to record i'm going to show you what kurt chose to record in just a minute and perhaps explore your answers in the coming week Last week, I told you and began part one of the story called Kurt's Story, which is A Triumph of the Spirit. And it's the story of a, of a man who, as a 17-year-old, went through the Shoah, went through the Holocaust, whose family moved from Budapest, uh, was taken away to the camps, gave their property to their neighbors, hoping that would protect it, and had hid in a safe house till they were discovered. Kurt and his father were separated from his mother. They were then taken away. He was in a barracks with his father, and during the night, uh, in the early weeks of being there uh, at Bergen-Belsen, he found that his father had died in the night. The next day, he uh, was outside by the fence, always searching through that barbed wire fence for, on the women's side for his mother. And for some reason, that very day, he spotted her for the first time since they had been taken away. And she was so thrilled to see him. And she asked, where is Papa? And he didn't have the heart to tell her. And he said, Papa's resting, Mama. His mother would be taken away by guards. That was the last time Kurt saw her, not having the heart to say that her husband, his father, had died in the night there. So weak was he in the barracks. Kurt would later survive that camp and eventually end up uh, in a hospital after... uh, The troops rescued the camp and could not believe that moment when he was shown to his own room after having shared a barracks with so many people stuffed into little wooden boards for beds. And now he had his own room to recuperate. And more importantly, as he told me, his own bathroom. He said, Jan, do you know what triumph is? Do you know what moment of freedom is? It's having your own privacy, your own bathroom. That's the impact of the experience he had had that he couldn't believe they had all been shoved together on a, on a board whenever they had to go to the bathroom. And in the m- most awful of, uh, of circumstances, of course. And now he had his own bathroom. So here he was in the early stages of his recovery, And he had chosen to go back to Budapest in search of his mother, not knowing and only finding out later that she had perished. And when he got back there, he expected the warmth of a homecoming, as I explained in part one, and his old neighbors feigned ignorance. They insisted he was mistaken that his parents had given their property over to the neighbors to take care of while they were going through the horrors of the Holocaust. Instead, he found out, as he stared into their faces in disbelief, that they had betrayed him. He experienced, he said, perhaps one of the deepest of wounds of the Shoah, of the Holocaust. He found his heart and soul lashed by callous and outrageous betrayal. Now, Kurt as the war had ended, was now an orphan of family and home. He went to a displaced persons camp where he earned his keep translating Hungarian and German documents, and he was eventually transferred to Sweden with other survivors, and there, on a blind date, he met a remarkable woman, Rosalie, who soon thereafter became his wife. She'd been saved from the camps and brought to Sweden by a minister of the government, and Kurt and Rosalie joined together determined to weave a new life out of the horrors they both had known. But the future would have to wait while in Bergenbelsen Kurt had suffered a bout of pleurisy which had affected his spine. Now he had to be hospitalized. He was forced to remain flat in his back in a Stockholm hospital for two full years. The doctors and nurses gave him the best care. He was nurtured by their goodwill and expertise. But it was Rosalie who gave him hope and love, and his body and heart were in time nourished back to health. And in 1948, Kurt and Rosalie immigrated to Canada and then eventually to Cleveland, Ohio. Here, the two survivors brought two children into the world, helping one another to embrace life and to thrive as individuals and as a family. Now, during their first year in Cleveland, before They'd come to know their neighbors very well. Kurt was approached by one of them with a simple request. There was a young family, as it happened, moving in down the street, who were new to the country, like the Broners, Kurt and Rosalie. It appeared that they spoke German and little English. Could Kurt and Rosalie take the young immigrants under their wing? They were asked. Kurt agreed to do so with pleasure. So Kurt. The two of them invited the young couple, Hans and Ingrid, and their two little boys over to dinner, and together the group had a delightful time. The next night, the young family reciprocated, and the Broners joined them for dinner at their home. Kurt and Rosalie were thrilled to have neighbors they could converse with in the language of the old country, and after dinner, Hans brought out family photos and began sharing with Kurt pictures of his family home, his siblings, and his parents. As Kurt turned the pages of the family album, Hans regaled him with a richly enjoyable story about each photograph. Suddenly, Kurt turned to a new page and froze. Staring back at him was a photograph of a middle-aged man dressed in an SS uniform. Kurt began to shake involuntarily and Stammering an excuse about having forgotten to take care of a matter at home, he and Rosalie left abruptly. The next day, there was a knock on his door. It was the young husband. With great understanding and a blush of shame, he told Kurt he knew what must be troubling him. In the language of his birth, Hans explained softly, You saw that photo of my father in uniform, and it deeply upset you. You must be Jewish. Am I right? Kurt nodded. The young immigrant continued, You were victims to the horror of the world. Yes, I am sure of it. You witnessed and experienced the horror of this war. Kurt swallowed hard. Hans went on. Please, Mr. Broner, you have to know I am not my father and I want to learn about Jews. And then, to Kurt's astonishment, he added, Would you teach me? Kurt's mind flashed to the duplicitous neighbors who had stolen his family's property. He remembered the suffering he had witnessed on the cattle car to Bergen-Belsen. He could see the lifeless form of his father on the morning he had died. He could make out in his heart's eye the face of his mother the last time he had seen her through the barbed wire, the morning he had lied about his father to spare her pain. Visions of the living skeletons that gathered with him the morning their camp was liberated filled his head. The burning spray of DDT and the years on his back in the hospital flared in his mind's eye. Kurt looked into the young man's earnest face. This son of Germany was asking the survivor of his own father's cruelty for friendship. Kurt's wounds seemed to rise within him. Could he really befriend the son of an SS officer? He stood for a moment as if suspended, staring at Han's outstretched hand. And then, moved by the pain of his burning memories and the simple request for redemption in front of him, Kurt took the young man's hand and welcomed him into his life the two families became good friends kurt rosalie and their children shared dinners and holidays with hans ingrid and their boys and hans was true to his word making good on his desire to have his family learn more about the jewish people he could never make up for his father's deeds or the deeds of his fellow countrymen but he could and would teach his own children that the Jewish people were their friends and were possessed of a rich and treasured heritage. Kurt and Rosalie became like a mother and father to Hans and Ingrid and like grandparents to their children and when it came time to select a preschool for the children the young couple to Kurt and Rosalie's amazement chose to send their children to a Jewish school Kurt was overwhelmed. This young family was honoring his wounds. The children of his oppressors were determined to give their own children the gift of humanity in learning to accept and respect the Broner's way of life. The following summer, Hans and Ingrid took their children back to Germany to visit their families. The young man told Kurt later what had happened the day his father the former Nazi officer, asked his grandchildren to sing a song they had learned in school. The children burst simultaneously into a Hebrew folk song, David, Melech Yisrael, Chai, Chai, V'Kayam. An age-old song in Judaism that the king of Israel, David, Still lives. David was considered a representative of his people. The Jewish, the German grandchildren of this Nazi officer were singing back to him. The Jewish people still live. Kurt imagined the face of the old SS officer listening to his grandchildren singing in a language that man had once tried to silence. And now his progeny had taken up a song that would not die. Kurt knew in his heart that he had brought honor and healing to his own and his people's wounds. I first met Kurt years ago when he came to speak to a group of school children in California after Steven Spielberg's movie Schindler's List had come out. He had decided it was time to speak out. And I learned through him that what he had chosen to do after seeing the horrors of the world is to pick up a camera and to begin to record the beauty of the world I was stunned he showed me his pictures of flowers opening and nature and trees and the blossoms of the natural world and I thought my god He'd come through the war, the worst that mankind had to offer, and chose to shoot with his camera the most beautiful images the world had to offer. I thought then, what was it that I would choose to frame? What do we choose to frame in our inner camera each and every day? What... Images of ourselves and of our lives do we wish to put out in the world. I want to tell you that when Kurt spoke at the Heschel Day School where I was at that time, there was a Holocaust Torah scroll behind him. It had been rescued and had been burned and had been through the war The Nazis had planned at one time to put these old Torah scrolls into a museum for a people that no longer existed. They expected to show off the Torahs as something that had belonged to a people that had once lived in the world but were so evil they had had to be extinguished. Instead, these Torah scrolls had survived, had been brought to England had been repaired as much as possible and sent out around the world. I had collected one of them and brought it to Heschel. And there, in that spur of the moment, as Kurt shared his story with schoolchildren, I was moved for some reason to go to the ark, the Arona Kodesh, the place in the synagogue where the Torah is held, and to lift that Torah and come and place it into Kurt's hands. And I said, this Torah is a survivor. You, Kurt, are a survivor. And now a survivor holds a survivor. And we stood back and watched Kurt weep. In this moment that had come full circle, He said it was one of the most moving moments of his life. And all of us got to witness the sacredness of it, the holiness of it, and the triumph of spirit that was Kurt. I am so deeply saddened to hear of Kurt's passing in these past weeks. His daughter had texted me, there is another angel in heaven. Oh, there most certainly is. But that angel remains inside my heart, and I hope now that you've heard his story in your heart as well. And so I'd ask you, what will you capture in the coming weeks, in the coming months, in the coming years? If you could shoot any image with your camera, be it physical or the one that is in your heart, What image or images would you choose to capture? Try capturing some of those this week and in so doing make that a triumph of your spirit as we share with our own hearts with those of our family and friends and of the greater world our own piece of goodness. Make a difference. Until next week, I'm Jan Goldstein, and this is All That Matters.